Good morning. Good morning on this beautiful last day of April, right? There's no 31st, right? I always get confused. Um, it's so nice to be with you in this season of change. The weather is changing, like heading in a different direction every day, it seems. I never know what to put on in the morning. Um, but also, the change in the season is coming alongside what I perceive, and I think a lot of us are feeling, a change in the energy in our political tide in the energy of the people of the state. It's very exciting. It took too much pain to get here, and the pain is not nearly over yet, but I do hope you can feel it too. Our state is starting to rise and proclaim no more. And while we are doing this, yes, from a righteous place of anger, I truly believe that we are also seeing a rise in the tide of love. Several weeks ago, I stood in this room with you and shared with passion that we needed to show up more. I came to you in fear and in pain, proclaiming that as a people of faith and a people of conscience, it was our duty. In this time where those in power seem so unashamed of their bigotry and their predilection towards the oppression of so many of us and our neighbors, that in this time, it was our responsibility to do everything that we can to speak truth to power and to show up whenever we can. In the weeks that followed, our state and our neighbors in Nashville experienced the unimaginable as gun violence made its way into Covenant School. And in the weeks that came after, up until now, the people have unequivocally made their choice to show up. Protest after protest at the state capitol. In the mornings when I drive into work, I'm always looking to the right because I can see like what's the collection of people going to be today. People filling the House chamber, faith leaders holding a sit-in in the office of the Speaker of the Tennessee House, the Poor People's Campaign bringing their mes message to the state House steps, a chain of 6,000 adults and children lining the streets of Nashville. Mine were on the ground with sidewalk chalk just to keep them in place. Students and teachers walking out. Everyone is demanding change. Everyone is demanding that Tennessee do better. When I spoke to you last, I was having to dig deep to find hope and conviction that we could do better. Today, I do not have to try hard to feel hopeful. Because while there is real and hard work to do to keep this energy flowing and to keep the pressure on, there are clear signs of life. There is clear hope. The people are demanding change, and we should all be so proud to be a part of it. We also know that Tennessee is not the only battleground. Because of my involvement in ministerial formation, my membership in the Unitarian Universalist Ministers Association, and my time in seminary, my Facebook feed is very, very UU, which I like very much. And I am hearing from members of our faith all across this country that they are seeing the tide turn as well. In the last few weeks, I have started to see photos posted by many of my friends and peers wearing t-shirts that are emblazoned with the transgender pride flag and the words, my faith is love, UU values, protect trans kids. These shirts have been created by a group of trans Unitarian Universalists in Florida, 
in response to the onslaught of anti-trans legislation that has come to their state, and as you know, has been sweeping across so much of this country. And we see that beautiful call to action, protect trans kids, in many liberal circles. And it's a mandate that I believe that many of us, if not all of us, firmly stand by. What struck me about these shirts, even though, of course, their existence didn't surprise me, is the choice to proclaim not just a belief in the rights of trans people, but also to make a clear connection to how those beliefs are inextricably tied to the wearer's faith, to our faith. I do not believe in trans rights because I am a Unitarian Universalist. And I am not a Unitarian Universalist because the church proclaims the divinity of trans people. But those two things are still inextricably tied to one another. I have many other examples like this personally, values I hold not because I am UU, but which are inexplicably, that's not right, inextricably is the word, inextricably intertwined with my faith. For example, I'm a vegetarian. I've been one for about a decade. Nowhere in any church document or articulated in any of the UU principles is guidance that we shouldn't eat meat, right? But when I personally pair my personal search for truth and meaning with my belief in honoring the inexplicable web of existence of which we are all a part, I come out of the other end of that sausage-making machine, horrible pun, intentional, <laughs> I find myself convicted not to eat animals. That is part of my Unitarian Universalism. Another example, I don't vigorously participate in elections and refuse to miss a single opportunity to vote because of the fifth, the fifth principle's affirmation of the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process. However, because I am Unitarian Universalist and have availed myself of UU principles, I have been given a vehicle through which I can integrate my political involvement into my spiritual practice, which brings more life, more energy, and more conviction into my political involvement. In these last months, when the fear around the political climate in Tennessee has been palpable for me, my faith has not just been a motivator, but also a source of hope and energy. And at the same time, I find myself surrounded day to day by many others who I perceive have a need for something, like what I have found a need for a community where all of them can show up, heart, body, identity, and spirit. And many of us know what life is like bearing that need. It's what brought us to the doorstep of a UU church to begin with. Many of us also, as you know, myself included, have had painful life experiences that come from experiencing rejection from faith communities where we once felt safe once we dared to question things or to bring more authentic versions of ourselves to light. So lately, especially since I saw those t-shirts, I've been thinking about why I don't find myself talking about my faith more in wider circles. Why do I often follow the impulse to, more often than not, socially compartmentalize how I talk about my faith and my religion? And this may seem like a wild thing to reveal to y'all, because I've been visiting for the last two years, and not just visiting, I've been preaching, and I've been preaching elsewhere too. Right now, I spend time in the pulpit in three congregations frequently, and I also get the chance to visit others. I've been in seminary, 
I've been a member of my home church for nine years, so how in the world can I find myself feeling like I need to more publicly acknowledge my faith? Well, I will tell you that compartmentalization has always been one of my greatest skills. I learned it as a child when parts of my lived experiences didn't line up with the way the world had been explained to me. I got even better at it as I got older and learned more about myself when I started discovering those parts of me that wouldn't be welcome in my family's church or in my conservative community. I even honestly consider it a family trait. Um, In my family of origin, we are very, very good at not having conversations about difficult stuff. Uh, We could win medals. And when I left my family's church, I did so after a period of deep pain, and I felt a lot of anger. And I spent my unchurched years building strong and loving friendships with a group of deeply secular young people, most of whom, like me, had experienced some level of religious trauma and were reveling in their newfound freedom from dogma that had been oppressive to them. And we, that group of people here in Murfreesboro, strengthened our bonds to each other in part by commiserating on the silliness of religion. We called it a crutch. We said it didn't make sense how intelligent people could believe those things. We found safety with each other that was easy and free. There was no judgment, there was no shame, not within the confines of our chosen family. But then, flash forward to about 10 years ago, I'd done a lot of work on myself, I'd gone through a lot of self-study, and I knew I needed a spiritual community, even though I was scared as heck to join one. And when I found Unitarian Universalism, I instantly knew it was home, and it turned my whole world upside down. And I didn't know how to talk about it to those people that I'd bonded with over how silly church was. In this new church, though, In this new faith, I knew that no one had any intention of telling me what to believe. I knew that I'd found a minister that I respected and that I wanted to learn from. But I still didn't know, at first, how I was ever going to be comfortable telling anyone I was going to church. And even more difficult to me then was getting up the courage to actually identify as a prescriber of a religion. Like, I could tell people I was visiting a Unitarian Universalist church, but I could barely even tell myself then that I was a Unitarian Universalist. (laughs) The journey to get to a place where I wasn't just comfortable, but also proud to be a UU, it wasn't a very long one. And I'll skip all of those details. It's, clearly, it's clear that I got to the other side because not only am I UU, I'm in formation to become a UU minister, but because I still work a corporate nine-to-five job and because my closest long-term friends are comfortably secular, because my family of origin is so firmly ensconced in their Christian faith and a belief that all faiths outside of theirs are wrong, Because of all of those reasons, it is still alarmingly easy for me to use my old superpower of mega-compartmentalization when I'm discussing my life with non-UUs. I code switch to make people more comfortable. I eliminate certain ideas that come into my head from conversation in order to try and preserve a connection with someone who may find the fact that I am religious confusing or discomforting. And I hate to say it, but these things come naturally to me. It's something I have to fight against if I want to change. And it does make me uncomfortable doing these things. That's part of the reason I'm talking to you about it today. 
And as time goes on and my time in ministry lengthens, of course I am less and less okay with doing this. Honesty is important to me. Authenticity is a value to me. Another one of my UU values is allowing space for everyone I encounter to show up as their full divine self. So of course it hurts when I don't allow that same space for myself. There's more to the timing of this message, though, than just my own lessening comfort and my need to show up fully in the world. There is also that shift in energy happening all around us that I mentioned earlier. There is the call to action that I brought to you last month to keep showing up more. Because I believe completely and with the fullness of my heart and the full power of my voice that the world doesn't just need us to show up. The world needs us to show up in faith, proclaiming our values and proclaiming to the world that these values aren't just morally right. They are divine in nature. They are sacred. This world needs examples of faith that look more and more like my friends in college, that joyful, loving, non-judging, chosen family who welcomed each other so freely. And I believe we have it here. Now, what I imagine is this. I imagine that my beloved queer community who has experienced so much religious trauma might feel less unnerved to hear others talk about religion if they have more examples of a faith like ours and understand that spiritual communities exist that reject hate in all its incarnations, not them. I imagine that the power of those religious institutions that in their worst forms oppress so many would hold less power if more people were aware that there are alternatives. That not only could they live a spiritual life that helps usher them into wholeness, but they could do that in like-minded community instead of in relative isolation. There is so much more here. There are so many more scenarios of what could be possible if more and more people knew about our faith. Even more if there are more people engaged in the principles or sitting in our congregations. And while I'll stop with my short list here, I'll also challenge you to try this exercise on your own. Imagine what else is possible. It has been convicting for me. I think it could be for you as well. Recently, I was in conversation with a longtime friend who's started making visits here and there to Unitarian Universalist churches. And I was telling them about how I trust people in UU spaces because we are a covenantal faith as an association, as congregations, even as church committees and subcommittees. We have covenants with each other. We commit to each other that we will show up and that we will do so in love. We commit to hold each other accountable. We commit to encourage each other's spiritual growth. We do this not to keep each other in line, but to help see each other flourish. And that is unlike any other community that I've ever been a part of. So imagine again, what this world could look like if more of us kept our promises to each other, if more of us made commitments to each other that we verbalized or even put down in writing, if more of us were held in covenant. While we UUs are not perfect, because we are people, we are still part of a precious example of what the world could look like if we were all more committed to each other and committed to each other in love. I am committed to this faith. I am committed to its people, I'm committed to its congregations, and I want to see them grow. I want this because I believe we have a faith that is healing, 
And I know that there are so many people in this city, in this state, in this country, this world, who need safe communities to hold them as they heal. I believe that showing up to direct actions is important. However, I believe that showing up to direct actions and proclaiming your faith can be world-changing to someone. I believe that coming to church on Sunday can be medicine. I also believe that from time to time, inviting someone to come with you is not just a small act of courage, but a large act of love. My faith is love. Our faith is love. Love is the force that changes more lives than any other. And what we have is precious, yes, but it is also an infinite resource. So, hold me accountable, friends. I am recommitting myself to proclaiming my faith and doing so proudly. I believe the world needs more of what we have here. I believe we have a duty to share it. I believe we can do so humbly by living our values, tending to our congregations, and choosing as often as we are comfortable and readily as feels right to share our faith openly and to invite others in. I invite you to consider doing the same. And if you are already living this commitment, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. The world is hurting. We know because we see it. We know because we too are hurting. May we leave this place today and go forth in love ready to proclaim our faith, ready to share our principles. My five-year-old daughter has learned in her religious education classes at our home church that we are the church of the open mind, the loving hearts, and the helping hands. It makes me cry because now I'm watching my daughter proclaim her faith for the first time. May we go forth as a people of faith standing firm in that precious identity. May we go forth in love, and may we, as grace allows, bring the light of this faith to more and more people. And in doing so, inspire them to do the same. May it be so.